Hello, in today's episode, we are discussing a family charter, which is also known as a family rule book. Personally, I think more rules, seriously, but keep listening to hear how a family rule book can help you and your family business. Is your family struggling being in business together? Don't worry, you're not alone. Welcome to Keeping in the Family podcast, where you'll have me, Kirsten Taylor Martin, and my daughter, Angelina Martin, and we'll be providing tips and sharing stories to ensure your family business is successful for generations to come. And most importantly, you as a family can still have Christmas together harmoniously. So, Mum, before we discuss what a family charter is and how it can help a family business, let's discuss, is this just more rules for the next generation to adhere to? Don't worry, Angelina, these aren't rules imposed on the next generation. Rather, it's an opportunity for the next generation to have a say on what rules they believe will protect them in the future. Okay, so the next generation doesn't have to be scared of a family charter, but why do we want our family business to have a family charter? Angelina, do you ever squabble with your brother? All the time. (laughs) (laughs) At least you're being honest. Yeah, I'm very honest. (laughs) And when you're in the middle of an argument, are you in the mood to talk reason? Never, ever, ever. (laughs) Do you have the same squabbles with people at work? Or is it generally more respect and you know the workplace isn't a place to behave that way? Yes. I will. People at work don't bug me as much as my brother, but yes, yes, I agree. So, I've answered your question with so many questions, but families working together have a familiarity and it's easy to squabble. Behave like two-year-olds. Okay, that's a bit far. (laughs) I do not behave like a two-year-old. Ah, yes, you do. But anyway, (laughs) once emotions are high, it's really hard for family members to see reason. And unfortunately, working with family, it has its real positives, like the love is undeniable and the support is like no other. And particularly in during covid uh so many family businesses Mm. have said like that's when their bond just becomes like it's times are really tough they just get just bind together even stronger and get behind one another but also there's negatives and even in the workplace they can squabble like (laughs) two-year-olds um now my latest example and i often use this one because it's just such a public example but Mm. megs it It was a very public exit of Harry from the royal family, which could have prevented or played out more harmoniously in public had they created a family charter. This would have enabled the next generation, your Harrys and your Williams, to discuss what if someone wants to leave? How do we want that to look? Because it's all okay and that could possibly be the future, but having the discussion while things are harmonious is the best time to talk about Mm. it. So is a family charter just another book? No, and this is the real issue. There are some organizations out there that just uh, sell an off-the-shelf family charter. But for me, the family charter is not the final product. It's about the process. People need to be careful as you can buy these really cheap off-the-shelf family Mm. charters and all they do is like a book. They put it in a bookshelf and... Yeah. It's not unique to the family and they never use it. And every family is different. Like you definitely have to have something to cater to to all your members of your family. Absolutely. And things evolve as well. Mm. So uh, the first version of your family charter won't be your final mm. version. The issues yeah. you're discussing may not be the issues that will arise mm. later down the track, but it will set you up in the right manner to be able to deal with issues down the track. Mm. So the process I undertake with families is firstly... I meet with all the family members and I discuss the process and the outcomes we're looking to achieve, which is really the outcomes the family wants to achieve. This ensures all family members are on board 
and they see us as impartial because my role is only to facilitate the conversation and to facilitate the outcomes that the family wants. So it's important that I'm seen as a facilitator and not that I'm brought in by one particular family member because that could undo mm. the whole process. Yeah. Um, I facilitate one-on-one interviews with each family member. This ensures everyone has their say. I always have someone with me, so it's really two-on-one interviews, uh, but that's just to ensure that we comprehensively take notes of everything that is said mm-hmm. and, the, and the interview flows. It doesn't take up too much of the person's time. And also you sometimes find that that second person may pick up on a point that the other one missed. Mm. So it's really good to have the two perspectives just to ha- get an understanding. Yeah. So the third point is we collect all the points and we dissect where the family agrees and where they disagree. Mm. Uh, and then we do a workshop uh, over, we say one and a half to two days. Uh, and we always start with the overall vision and the family values because this really brings them together and make sure that they are, are united. Uh, then we work on all the areas where they agreed before we move into the contentious issues. Mm. Because if you are aligned with the vision and the values, it's so much easier to discuss yeah. any contentious issues. And contentious issues don't need to be really big things. It might just be one one person might think that there's a succession plan all in place and the mm. other one might go, we're nowhere near ready succession. So it's not, yeah. it's not like a bad thing. It's just got different opinions. Mm. And different perspectives. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Now, we always say that when we do the workshop, it's really important um, to have a dinner the night in between. And the reason for that is it brings the family into a social environment and it brings them back to really appreciate why they're in business together. Mm. And we have this really beautiful um, uh, process with one family. And to be honest, not everyone was on board, but they continued on with it. And the first day they were sort of discussing things. And to be honest, they just kept saying, what do other people have? And they just wanted to like cherry pick like the best of other ones rather than think about their own rules. (laughs) That's the way to go. And so it it was sort of, yeah, going quite long and not really getting anywhere. And then they had the Mm. dinner that night Mm. and they had a few drinks and they had laughs and they actually all went away and went, and this is why I'm in family business. Mm. I like working with these people. And the next day we pretty much restarted the whole process mm. and they go radio this is what we like and it was just yeah. a whole different conversation yeah so for me now i just think that's so important because it brings them back to that social piece mm. uh the the final charter is then signed by by everyone uh and then the next step's really important so it's then important to have like either family advisory meetings or family council meetings but mm. meetings on a regular basis where they're using the family charter. And it's good, again, to have that independent facilitator to make sure that there's a set agenda, a set report pack, and they are there Mm. that whenever there's an argument or a disagreement or people get off topic, they can go, remember, we agreed um, Mm. that, you know, so, for example, family family values. If one of your family values is, is quality, um, and you're having a conversation and you're thinking of doing like a cheap replica mm. and you're arguing and everything by going back to your family charter and say like our value is quality. Yeah. This doesn't line up with it. It allows the conversation mm. to go and say, this isn't the right thing for our business because it's not in line with our, our values. Yeah. And, uh, once again the family can have that sort of argument but that facilitator can go just stop here Mm. okay i'm going to go back i'm going to read what you agreed as your family values is this in line and they're just asking the questions Mm. and then the family will will realize totally not in line with our values 
So who should be involved? All family members? What about spouses? Look, it's really important we don't tell people what to do. They have to tell us who they want involved. The only thing that I do say is, yeah, just be careful because anyone that you do exclude, you really run the risk that um, spouses is is a typical example because you might all agree on something, then someone goes home Mm. and you talk about pillow talk, you know, they discuss it with their Mm. spouse who has a totally different opinion, then they come in the next day and they can unravel everything that you decided the day before. Whereas if you have the spouse in the room, that conversation all happens and the agreement is the agreement. Mm. Uh, also, uh, some, some families like don't include all their children. There's a real danger in that because mm. if you exclude one, they always assume the worst and that can cause a lot of problems. So yeah. it's always up to the family who they want to include. Uh, the last one I did had no spouses, um, and one that I'm about to enter into, they would like the spouses involved. Mm. So each family is different. I just need to say to them, just be careful of who you don't invite. Yeah. So what kinds of rules do families discuss? Look, it's a really wide variety, but uh, an example is entry rules. So for example, have we got this family business just to give all family members a job? Or alternatively, are we in this to make a really successful business and it's best person for the job? Mm. Um, So then you talk about, for example, whether a a trade or a degree is required, work Mm. experience, how many years work experience, whether they travel, um, you Mm. want them to travel overseas before they come back into the business. Mm. You need to have that discussion because some businesses, they set it up so that all family members just have get a job yeah Um, and they don't but then others want it to be really successful Mm. so that it uh it makes a return for the family and they want best person so their child Mm. to be best person and to get the respect of the people within the organization they need to go out and get experience and bring that experience Mm. back to the family business yeah i knew um i knew a family who they they created a business so like all their family could work together and most of their family was really happy, but then one member of the family, he just, he didn't want to, he didn't like it. He didn't like being around his family all the time. And he, he ended up leaving the business, but like the rest of the, pe- the rest of the family in the business love the business and really want it to thrive. And it's pretty, it's all happy now, but um, yeah, you can't really go in thinking, oh, this is a perfect thing for all of my children to have jobs and they can work with us forever and ever and ever. Cause some people just don't want that. Yeah, and look, it's really important to have that discussion um, up front because we do, we do often find, uh, particularly if you've got like two brothers in business and one brings their child in and say mm. they're really lazy and they're not doing a good job and everyone's complaining, it really causes a lot of uh, friction within mm. the family. So that's why we say it's better to have these discussions up front and all agree mm. on it and how... Um, how to react to that so we'll get a bit more into the other rules Mm. because at the moment we're just talking about entry but yeah yeah it really it's important to have that conversation Mm. so why is it important to have entry rules to be honest it's really hard being a family member entering the business um all eyes are on them uh the, the the staff won't necessarily uh, respect them. They'll feel that they they get privilege and better treatment. Mm. Uh, so 
And to be honest, often the the parents are really hard on their children when they come into the business as well because they want them to set a really high standard. So by ensuring it's best person for the job and they come in with a skill set, it really doesn't take very long for the team to respect them because they bring Mm. in really good insights. Whereas if you just recruit them for recruitment's sake and they don't have qualifications, they don't have experience and they're fumbling, Mm. uh, it can end up quite hard. I saw a family, and I talk about it quite frequently, but he really wanted to set his son up for success. So straight after his HSC, he brought him in as managing director. Oh, my God. But the the general manager, like, he just played him. Like, he's just, oh, if I want a new software package, I'll just pull the wool over the son's eyes and he'll go ask dad for it. And... but I just felt really sorry for the son because, and for the dad because he, he wanted best for his son, mm. but he just got it so wrong. Yeah. And the son actually just would sit in the office. He, he knew no one. He didn't go out, walk the, walk the floor, mm. and he ended up just doing share trading. He had no interest. Yeah. He didn't know what to do. Whereas had he been able to go out and get experience in, in other businesses and come back in, mm. he would have had so much insight and he, he mm. would have had a whole new energy for the, yeah. for the business. So it's really important uh, f- for the business, but also for your child and for yourself that you yeah. get that right. Yeah, I'm finishing my HSC this year. And if like after I finish and you decide, oh, I'm going to drag you into my workplace, I would be like, oh my God, get me out of here. Like, I, I just still, finished I, my HSC. I still haven't recovered from you photocopying Angelina, so no, that's not going to happen. I, I ended up with papers all over the floor. Yeah, <laughs> mum sent me to photocopy something when I was little and I came back and I dropped everything <laughs> everywhere. It was so, yeah, horrible. That won't happen soon. No. <laughs> Good. Okay, so what are other rules? Uh, so exiting as well, I always use the, the, the Meg's example, but really discussing if a family member wants to wants to leave the best way about it. But also, if a family member works for the, for the organisation, it's really important that you discuss, like, how are we going to treat them? And they should be treated exactly the same as a team member. So mm. they, they shouldn't be allowed to arrive late, be rude to staff. Um, there's certain... Um, key performance indicators, KPIs they need to meet. They should be yeah. meeting the same as everyone else. They should be having staff reviews. Uh, they could be your child. They could be your niece. They could be your nephew. But you need to treat everyone exactly the same. And you have to agree up front. If they're not meeting it and they're not working, mm. we're allowed to get rid of them. Um, yeah. Because the, the real problem here is, and this is why it's so important to have the charter and have the conversation, because if particularly when you've got your two brothers, mm. you don't know whose child's not going to work out. Mm. But if you agree, look, this has got to happen. They've got to meet this minimum standard. Mm. By having that agreement before the child even enters the business, when one goes wrong, it's already agreed. But also yeah. when the child comes into the business, you're up front with them because they've been part of the process creating the rules. Mm. They know what they have to meet or they yeah. know they're out. Yeah. And if you don't have the family charter in process, can you imagine the relationship with your your, your mm, brother or your no. sister or something if you um, got rid of their child out mm, of the business? But mm. if it was agreed and there was a process and every and the child was knew everything they had to do and yeah. they didn't meet with it, it's a whole different story. Yeah. Um. So how can a family pr- charter prevent that? Yeah, sorry, I sort of answered a little bit of that <laughs> prior, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, family members need to receive staff reviews, just the same mm. as team members. They have to have KPIs, same three warnings, and you're out like all other staff. Yeah. Um, 
but yes, the family members help set the rules so they are aware prior to starting. Mm. And pe- people may still be annoyed, but there's just going to be less destruction. Yeah. You're still going to be able to have, I always use the example, but your Christmas lunch together mm. with your brother because it was all like agree, agreed up yeah. front and you and you stuck to the rules. Whereas mm. if you don't have this in place and you just go and fire your brother's child or something like that, you can just imagine like yeah. you'll never have Christmas no. lunch together again. They'll take it personally mm. and we need to put the rules in place so that doesn't happen. And also like if you if you bring in your child or your nephew into a business and they're doing real a real crappy job, your staff's going to lose their trust in you if you are just kind of like, oh, it's okay like they'll get through it and if you know they're rocking up late not doing their job like you're just going to build like a dysfunctional community within the oh office. It, it has a huge impact on the culture mm. of the business absolutely yeah. so what other rules have you seen successful in family charters uh, one that I saw was really successful was a, a voting mechanism. Mm. So often things are discussed in family meetings and then everyone just goes back to business as usual and they don't actually, you know, they, they nod and agree, but nothing actually happens. Yeah. Whereas uh, in, a, in an organisation where you have a, a board that's not a family meet, meeting, you know, mm. you would have to put a proposal forward, everyone uh, votes and you have like a quorum. So if, for example, 75% of the people uh, agree with it, then it passes and then it's introduced. Mm. Whereas family members, it's nice, uh, family businesses, it's nice that they have the informality um, and they can make decisions faster, but sometimes... Uh, the problem can be that they just don't move forward. Mm. So we had a particular family business and they hadn't actually had a decision and agreed and moved forward for a two-year oh process. God. And the managers were just beside themselves uh, and it was just getting really, really difficult. And what we realised is they had no vet- voting mechanism. Mm. So, And they didn't even know where to start. So I just gave an example of a firm I worked with once, uh, 75% meant the vote passed, except Mm. when it came to sale of business. Sale of business, it had to be 100%. Yeah. Okay. And they, they quite liked that. But then we had to say, so how do we... How do we give shares out? So is it who owns the business or are we going to do it a different way? Mm. So with this particular business, there was one particular family member who if it was the number of shares they had in the business, they had quorum on every vote. So you, mm. so it was their say or no say yeah. kind of thing. But he was really fair and he just said, you know what, if this business is going to go forward, I, th- I believe every mm. family member gets one vote. Yeah. And we put it in and 75% and then it passes. Yeah. And that was the first meeting that they had <laughs> that a decision was made in a two-year wow. process. So just by... Yeah, and it's just they didn't know what to do or Mm. hadn't thought it through. Like, why is it that we're just not making decisions? Mm. That raises a good question. Are family charters legal documents? No, they're not. So it is a family coming together and agreeing what they want the future to look like. Uh, As everyone has a say and they agree on the family values, you hope that in most instances they will abide by the rules they set. Mm. Uh, If you want some legality around it all, you can uh, then put shareholders agreements or wills or estate plans Mm. or there's other agreements legal documents you can put around it yeah but the family charter as i said from the beginning it's about the process 
and it's about the whole family coming together and agreeing. Mm. So, for example, I said before about quality. So, say, for example, I say uh, one of the family values is quality and you don't want it to be that. We have that discussion and we might say, uh, no, most important thing to us is is Mm. integrity. And that's, you know, you can have more than one value, but you know what I mean? We have that discussion and if we agree that quality is not one of our top values uh yeah you've sort of set it in place right from the Mm. right from the the beginning so you're not going to change your mind later down the track yeah thank you we now realize a family charter or a family rule book is nothing to be scared of rather it gives everyone a say now the major takeaways are it is not a legal document second it's about the process not the final document and third it isn't set and forgot should you have any questions or feedback, please do not hesitate to contact us on Keeping It in the Family on Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Keeping in the Family, where together we can break through the statistics and ensure family businesses thrive for generations to come. For more information, head to my website, kirstenhalermartin.com.